0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches Podcast. Um, uh, if this is your first time to check out our podcast, we we welcome you. And uh, for you, longtime listeners, thank you for taking time to check in and tune in today. Uh, Alan's here with me, and um, you know we're always trying to look into topics that might help our churches to endure and help those in ministry to endure today. So. So, Alan, what are we going to be talking about
1: today? Yeah, you know, we want to talk about how, as a church, you kind of plan to have a long-term pastor. And if you're a pastor, you want to be a long-term pastor. How do you kind of lead your church through that? But this would be true if you want to keep staff and and other people as well, if you're in that situation. So we want to build a foundation that lasts. So how can you have a lasting foundation in a church? The average tenure in church is is ridiculously short. We need to fix that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it kind of goes in ebbs and flows. You know, I remember early on when you and I were first getting into ministry, it seemed like it was 18 months or something was the average pastor tenure. Um, It's kind of gone up and gone down at uh, at different times in in our society. But um, so Alan, when we think about this, before we kind of get into some things you can do, Why is it that a church should really want to have a long-term pastor or staff member?
1: Well, I mean, the factor that we understand in looking at church health and dynamics, we know that it just takes time to truly become the pastor of a congregation because you have to build up trust. And so, you know, we used to say it's five to seven years that that took um, because most congregations are smaller today than they were 10 or 15 years ago. Um, That curve is probably sped up a little bit and in certain situations, it might be faster. You know, I was talking to a pastor you know, their church went from 13 um, a few years ago and grew substantially fast to where they're over 200 today. He's only been the pastor there a little over two years, but he is the pastor of that church because 170 of them came after he became the pastor and he's the only pastor they know. So, it, it there's no science to it there's no it has to be this way but the reality is, is that in established churches it takes time to establish yourself as a trusted authority to to build trust among the people and to become the pastor so if you stay every two or three if you're gone every two or three years there's no trust and then who's going to fill the void and you create all these bad leadership vibes in the church
0: Yeah, I think I think that's the principle. You're right. It may not have a lot of science to say, okay, you have to be here a specific amount of time. But the idea, the principle is that you have to have time with people to develop a relationship. And so um, that's going to be different in each situation. And it's also going to be different with each family in your church. Um, If you have been uh, at the hospital with the family, spent significant time with them, if they've had a Uh, had a pastor in my association that they had a family in their church that a young uh, one of their children was in the hospital the pastor spent a lot of time with the family and so he's accepted he's you know they they trust him and think of them think of this man as their pastor so I think it's different for families too in those situations but you know, again, I, I pray this isn't true today, but Alan and I were told years ago, well, don't get too close to your people in your church because you'll be moving on. Um, do get close to your people. Um, get close to their heart. Let them see your heart.
1: Yeah, that's that's important, right? That's what we want to do. We, we are people of relationship. Pastoring is a relationship function. And preaching doesn't have to be a relationship function. Pastoring is a relationship function. So you've got to have a relationship with your people. And so, you know, as you build this relationship, you build this sense of trust, you become the pastor. And then, quite frankly, it gets harder to leave because you're leaving a part of your heart. So it's not that God doesn't sometimes call people to other ministries. It's not likely that your first ministry will be your last ministry in some cases it is but we should plan for good long tenures um in our ministry roles and so we want to encourage that we're certainly supportive of that and we know that churches are healthier um typically when they have pastors who can stay um between that range of eight to 12 years at least so we want to try to build you up for that so we've got some seven things we're going to talk to you about today. And so, Trent, uh, the, the first one is it's not spiritual or anything, but it's an important factor, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty important. I mean, uh, you know, and I, I don't know. It, it's probably not spiritual just looking at the outset, but it can affect our spiritual heart and our lives and the way that we think of our church, you know, as a pastor coming in if you feel like the church is taking you for granted, then you, you're you not going to be doing your best job for them. So the first one is pay. Um, how are you paying and taking care of your, your pastor? You know, scripture says the workman is worthy of his hire. Um, make sure to feed the ox, you know, that treads the grain. And, and so there's, There's all kinds of principles in scripture of taking good care of those who are your spiritual leaders in this. So, um, you know, the first thing you you've got to um, pay them the best you can as a church. I know every church is different and what they can do. Just be honest about that. Um, What can you do? Say that up front. Don't hold back and then surprise them. It's like, oh, surprise, we can't pay you anything. You know, that would be wrong.
1: Yeah, a church should do the very best they can do. So if it's a part-time church, you should do as well as you can for a part-time role in your area. If it's a full-time church, you should do as well as your church can do. You should kind of get the idea of what other churches are paying. You should kind of know on um, what other churches your size in your area are, are offering. I get asked that question a lot, Trent. I'm sure you're asked that question a lot Unfortunately, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't have all the details of all of ours, but there are plenty of resources at the denominational level. But you also know what your budget can allow, and you need to look at that and say, you know, are we are we being kind of tight fisted with all of this? And remember too that in many cases, pastors are underpaid for the degree that they have. And so I've gone into places where people say, well, I don't think the pastor should make any more want more than. Anyone else in our church, or you know, well, you know, I make this, and you know, I've been doing this for twenty years, and the pastor is just coming in, so he shouldn't shouldn't make very much. Well, you know, he's also raising a family, he's also paying off school, Mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. So, just remember, you know, the Bible does at one point in time even mentions worthy of a double share, and not that we should be making our pastors rich, but I think the whole principle of the idea is take care of your pastors. And there's other ways you get paid. Our first church couldn't pay us much. They didn't have much to pay us at the time, but they bought a lot of lunches for us. They gave us a lot of gifts. You know, there are other ways that we were compensated besides uh, just with the paycheck.
0: Yeah. There was a family, Alan, in our church, first church that I pastored that they uh, raised cattle and every show, every so often they would just show up with a bag of, of beef, you know, um, you know, hamburger, steaks, roast. And it's like, man, what a huge blessing that was. Uh, and, and we just knew that they cared and that they were looking out for us. And so I think that's big time important. And another thing uh, kind of related to pay there is the, the idea of evaluations. And um, I think that it's very important for a church to have a plan in place to do evaluations each year. And, and that gives the opportunity for there to be um, conversations that go on, but also raises that can be implemented just like in the secular job. You kind of ha- need to have that uh, that set in place.
1: Yeah. Evaluations can kind of, we could probably do a whole podcast about the good and the bads of evaluations and the hows and how nots on that process. But Have some kind of process that the pastor can be affirmed, encouraged, challenged, um, all of those things so that he can can become a better pastor. But also to say, you know, at least a cost of living raise and and some of those kinds of things, you need to consider that as a church. You know, there was a church that that recently failed where the pastor had not received a raise in over 15 years. And after about five years of that, he got discouraged. And he ultimately left ministry, and the church continued to decline. And maybe one of the causes was this tight fistedness of the finances in the church. And so um, make sure that you're you're taking care of the of the paid factor. You know, there are little things you can do a Christmas bonus just to help people out around around the holidays, mm-hmm. um, being mindful of pastor appreciation month, even though I know that that was not in the biblical calendar. And that's yeah. kind of a, yeah. kind of an earthly creation, um, just on mother's day or father's day though, we have this pastor appreciation month let uh, your pastor know in some way, whether it's a, a gift card to a restaurant or even a note that just says, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you today and praying for you today, but make sure that you're doing those little things in that way to, to pay up for your pastor.
0: Yeah. You know, that's one of those things, Alan, I remember, uh, pastoring and listening to Christian radio and they would be making a big deal about pastor appreciation month and they'd have these people call in and say all these things they're doing for their pastor and at the time I was not getting any appreciation from my church and it was it was pretty depressing you know and and so um, you know be careful you know and take the opportunity it doesn't have to be huge and expensive but I take the opportunity to, um, to you know, and that's usually in October to say to your pastor, "Hey, we sure do appreciate you." Um, you can also, uh, my wife, uh, contacts all the churches in our association and asks them to do something nice for their pastor and family during February. Um, you know, just because it's the month of love, then uh, you know it's a good time to just. Remind them, hey, we do appreciate you. We love your family, and so uh, I think that's a it's a good thing to to take that opportunity.
1: Yeah, the second one kind of goes hand in hand with that, but that's the idea of vacation. Um, encourage your pastor to take their vacation. Make sure you offer them adequate vacation. Uh, don't be don't be stingy with vacation time. Your pastor needs a break mentally the job is extremely taxing and unless you've done it, you'll never understand it. Physically. I get it. We're, we're, we are not a very healthy group of guys probably because we need more vacation time yeah. and, and encourage your pastor. In fact, I don't think it's bad if your bylaw state, your pastor must take their vacation time. Um, I think that's really important for your pastor uh, to get away. Um, be generous with vacation time. Um, encourage them to take it. And hold, yeah, like our note says, try not hold them accountable to actually use it.
0: Yeah, let me just tell you kind of my story. Uh, and I've said this before on our podcast, but there were a lot of years that I never used all my vacation time, and and I was not only hurting myself, but I was cheating my family, and so uh, that led to sometimes a burnout uh, for me, and so I. I would say to you, church people, to protect your pastor by pushing him to use vacation time and to not contact him during that vacation time. If something happens, have a deacon set up to take care of things. Um, You know, if there's a a loss or death in the church family, then, you know, contact him. And if he's able to come back, then great. If not, get someone else to do that. Another part of vacation thing I would throw in there is if you have a pastor that has been in ministry for quite some time and he has worked up to having, you know, three, four weeks of vacation at his previous church, don't drop him to one week or maybe two weeks. Uh, Boy, talk about a slap in the face. Uh, I think that's important that you, you know, you've got to negotiate that and, and say, hey, we want you to still continue to have that because we know you have experience and you've been in ministry and you're God's servant.
1: Yes. Respect the experience. That's, that's kind of what you're saying with that. So Mm -hmm. make sure that you're offering adequate vacation. So Trent, the third one, and you and I have a little bit of a different philosophy on this one. So this is a great conversation point. Um, you put in our note, the word sabbatical, you know, so if you want to keep your pastor long-term offer uh, um, a sabbatical, So, you you know, you say in here, create a system for a sabbatical. I say if you're going to have a sabbatical, a system is really important. So talk to us about about this one.
0: Yeah, you know, um, make sure that you have this set up ahead of time. You know, as you're looking for a pastor and you want to have a pastor stay a long time, then set up something ahead of time. Instead of, like, getting... 10, 15 years in, and you're like, oh, maybe we ought to consider this, you know, and you may be in that situation and you still can do this, but set up a a schedule, set up a schedule that this happens every so often so that it's not just vacation time, but an extended time to go and if it's a study time, say that and, and write that out, you know, and what your expectations are there. Make sure that you voice those. If it's a time of family, um, then say that. Whatever your expectations are of sabbatical. So, Alan, when you think of sabbatical, what comes to your mind?
1: Yeah, so I think of a sabbatical as this idea that was started in, with our seminaries and education, educators. That, you know, every seven years that they were going and they were on a basically learning, research, or writing um, intensive. And so that they're taking time away specifically to hone one of their educational specialties, to write something, um, or, or be a guest lecturer in another place, something like that, that makes them better at what they do. So the idea of a sabbatical in churches would do that same thing. What are you going to do? So here's where I, here's where I kind of come in with it with a problem for a lot of churches is your church is going to view that as a as a vacation most pastors view it as kind of a mildly working vacation um but it is an intensive time of study and preparation and i i think when we call that if it's going to be a sabbatical that's what it should be that's how it should be set up otherwise we're we're asked giving our pastor something that our people look at and go i don't understand this we're just so we're giving them we're giving them extra vacation time and your church doesn't get it. So I, I was offered a sabbatical. I helped put a sabbatical policy in place in my previous church with the knowledge that I was never going to take a sabbatical. One, I, I continually am working on education. I'm continually working on myself already. Um, I didn't want to have to set that up in some kind of time where I went away to, to go do all of that because I did a, just did that in other ways. But if my church had said to me, Alan, Hey, you've worked hard. We want to offer you, you know, this year, you've been with us 10 years. We want to offer you an extra month to just go get away and go be with your family. And we're going to pay you through that time. In fact, we want to give you a thousand dollars to go and just, you you just, whatever, you know, you've saved it up and y'all just go enjoy that. I would have jumped at that because I was tired and I could have used the break. But I didn't need a sabbatical; I just needed a, a, vaca- a extended vacation. And so I view those as two separate things. And I, I think it would be healthy if our churches understood the difference um, along those lines.
0: Right. And so this is another area I think that you need to have uh, conversations with your pastor and be honest. Uh, if you see a need, then talk about it and see and ask them what is their need. If it is a time to study then view it as a sabbatical. If it's just some time to reconnect with their family, then call it vacation. Uh, but be, be honest. Um, help them to be as healthy as they possibly can. Um, healthy and physically, but also emotionally and with their family too. Um, you know, I was visiting with a um, state Uh, staff member in South Carolina. And he told me that when he first came on staff, their their state led the nation in uh, pastor suicides. And so that was, you know, he had to do some work to educate the churches in his state about how to help with pastor mental health. And so this is an area where you can do that.
1: Yeah. So just be mindful of what you're thinking about. Again, my incur- my encouragement is to really know your terminology and the, your purpose in doing so um, to keep it clear before your church, what you're doing. I might want to add one other thing, Trent, before we move on to our next one. And that's pastors. If you get a sabbatical, do not use your sabbatical to look for another church. Because one of the complaints against sabbaticals is is that the average pastor who goes on a sabbatical leaves their church within the next year, and it is highly unethical to use your sabbatical as a, your reason for "I'm burned out, I'm mad, and I want to find somewhere else," and I'm going to use their dime um, to and it, to to find my new place of ministry. Um, that goes against everything that we stand for here at the during churches podcast. And I believe is a slap in the face to you, the church that has supported you in doing this. Um, even if everything's not perfect there. So yeah, I just feel like that's an important caveat to add on to this discussion.
0: Yeah. And I would say too, you know, if you're going to have a sabbatical, then have a contract, you know, that says, Hey, You know, we expect that you're going to be here at our church in the following year, Uh, you know, and and maybe there's some other things you want to add to that. But, you know, just be honest, have a good conversation about it. So let's move on to the next one, Alan, and that is to provide education and growth opportunities. Um, We've talked about this in the past, about sending people, sending your pastor and staff to um, conferences. I'm a big proponent of that. Um, and Alan, is, he's working on his second doctorate, and so he's, he's a big proponent of education opportunities. So um, talk to us about that. What do you think, Alan?
1: Yeah, I, I just love this. You know, my church was super supportive of me when I was working through my DMIN program. Um, I can also go back to a conference that I went attended in 2008 that really changed my life and got me rethinking about ministry in a new and fresh way. So I've benefited from both sides of that. Um, as have you, you know, Trent, um, you, you did some work on, on a D-Min and you enjoyed the process, just not the, 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 the final aspect of all of that, right. but you've, you've done that. but you and Dana attend conferences and you guys, you guys are like the best conference people that I know because, you guys go and you just soak in um, everything and you build relationships and you get to know people so well. So you guys are so, so great at conferences um, with that. And I think it's just really about us determining that we don't know everything. We need to continue to learn. Um, We need to open up our minds and absorb some information that we can give out. And really too, I think part of the things about, learning to do all that is too filtering those things. You know, you don't go to a conference and say, "Wow, look at how they do that. And then you go back and you copy everything. It's really more about going back and how do I filter this? Oh, you know, they do that. Now we're in a different context, but if we take that kind of idea and we tweak it, mm-hmm. it's going to work, work that way here. And so I, I think the more you go to that, the more you're able to kind of put those pieces together and, and really develop that. And that's a lot of what like in this PhD program that I'm called upon to do. The difference between that as a, as an educ from an education standpoint is I'm really called upon a lot to synthesize information. And I think that's a lot of what, what we do in ministry is synthesize the information we get.
0: Yeah. And if you attend conferences, I think the idea of filtering too uh, applies to uh, you know, Sometimes when you go to a conference, you feel like you're drinking from the fire hose kind of thing. It's just so much and you've got all these breakouts and lots of things. If you can filter it down to one thing that you want to take and apply to your setting. Yeah, just one. Not Well, I've got these 30 things and I'm going to do all of them, which you probably won't do any of them. But find that one and plug it in and start, you know, even as you're at the conference, start brainstorming and saying you know writing down what things should i start with how should i start to implement this and then if you've gone there to the conference with other people from your church include them in that and say hey let's let's start brainstorming here together as we're out to dinner let's talk about this is this a good thing for us to implement and if so how
1: yeah, so be supportive of your church and their educational endeavors through conferences, through education, all those things. Provide them with book allowance to be, be readers, all of those things. Um, Trent, the fifth one, um, we go over this almost on a weekly basis in our podcast in some form or another, but that's to encourage involvement in pastor support groups outside the church. You need to be a part of other, other people in ministry, who, who are doing the work you need to talk to them you need to know what their churches are doing you need their their wisdom and support in this process
0: yeah there's a, there's a verse in hebrews that talks about forsake not the assembling together of yourselves and we usually use that to preach at our people about being in church but the last part of it says um, to encourage each other all the more as we see the day, day approaching and so We need, as pastors, we need those times where we can be around other pastors that understand what we're doing, that we can sometimes kind of vent or vomit, emotionally vomit together, uh, but then encourage each other. You know, if you're tired, hey, get somebody who understands to kick you in the rear and say, hey, come on, let's do this together. Let's keep going. Yeah, we had a pastor
1: fellowship yesterday, Trent, that was so cool because we've got We had four pastors in different types of transitions who were there yesterday. And we have a a gentleman who hosts that fellowship who's coming up on 70 years in ministry. Wow. And he's just fantastic. And so the question came to him, you know, what piece of advice would you give to someone who's in a transitional time in their ministry? and just to hear him talk from his own experience um you know and give wisdom in that you you wouldn't trade that for all the gold that you could get it was just so priceless and Mm -hmm. we need those people in our lives you need people who are older than you who've been there who've done that you need people who are younger than you who can challenge you and give you new perspectives you need people who are in the same season as you because they know what you're going through. So you need all these people in your ministry life and do not miss out on the, on the opportunity to build those relationships. Loneliness and isolation are two of the biggest causes of, of pastoral fatigue that we have going in our culture today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the conferences that I attended recently that was mentioned as one of the top problems was isolation. And um, so yeah, we want you to find those groups, you know, whether it's in your denomination or, um, you know, even if it's other pastors outside your denomination, get with them. Don't believe the, uh, you know, the rumors that they have a third eye and a horn, you know, underneath their hat, or whatever, you know, get together with those folks and enjoy them and learn from them. So the, the next thing is to support and encourage your pastor publicly. So, Alan, tell me what you think about that.
1: Well, you know, uh, you want to know that people support you. You want to, to know that people stand with you. And I've, I've had church members say, can we just pray for our pastor? I've, I've, I've had church members that have said, you know, we love our pastor and have spoken on my behalf. And I got to tell you, nothing encourages you then when you've taken the time to build the relationship and let's go back to time, this does not all happen overnight, but you know, the more relationships and the more trust you build in your church, um, you know, you want to know and hope that you're supported and encouraged. And I want to say this too, you know, if you got, if you're a church and you, you love your pastor and there is someone who's always speaking negatively about your pastor um, as a church, take the responsibility to deal with that. Don't put that on your pastor's plate to just figure out how he's going to address it as a church, especially if you're a congregationally ruling church, you have a voice and use your voice to, to say, you know, we don't want anyone who's going to cause disunity Our God is a God of unity and not disunity. So, you know, you want, want to deal with that, but be very public and vocal, um, in supporting your pastor. And that goes a long ways for building a sense of, man, why would I want to leave here? Um, Mm -hmm. My people are with me. And it's not, it's not that you always agree on everything, but you can support and build that relationship together.
0: Yeah, that's, that's so important. And you mentioned Alan about praying for your pastor. I, I think that's so important as well to have people that are committed to praying for their pastor. We're seeing that, um, and in fact, Dana and I are getting ready to teach a, a seminar about that, how to develop a pastor prayer team in your local church. And, and so that is a need, and we, we're starting to see people that have that heartbeat to pray for their pastor, and they just need to know some direction. And uh, you know, to me, that's just as important as that Pastor Appreciation Month is to letting your pastor know, hey, I'm praying for you. Boy, it's like I'll charge her with a water pistol if, you know, if I've got people behind me praying, you know.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Trent, when you look at it, I think there's two major factors that really you know, we can sandwich all of them in between. But we began with the idea of pay. Look, like your pastor's got bills to pay. And it is their job and they need to be compensated as well as the church can for the job that you're asking them to do. And if you can't pay them, what, what is your best for them to do that? They're going to have to go somewhere that is, that's just the truth. I don't want to sugarcoat that. We don't do it for the money, but we've got to make enough money to live on. You know, um, I pastored a church one time that their history was, they had a pastor who, They wouldn't buy him a stove in his house. And so he cooked his meals out in the backyard in the 1950s. That's Mm. ridiculous. You know, Um, And they wonder why they struggled all those years. So you got to pay them. But the other side of that is you got to pray for them. And if you'll pay them and you'll pray for them, the odds are you've got a good chance of keeping them. So remember those two things If you don't if you forget all the others remember those two things and you won't go wrong
0: yeah i agree alan and so today we've been talking about that as a church you can do some things to prepare for having a pastor or a staff member for a long time and that's i think that's a healthy model and again alan mentioned that we need to pay them well we need to pray for them well Um, there are several other things. There were seven deals and you can look in our show notes for that, but we hope that you will put these things in play in your church, um, that you will, um, use these so that your church can endure and you will be blessed. If you honor your pastor and pay them well and pray for them, I believe God will bless your church. And so uh, we hope that you will do that. We thank you so much for taking time today. Alan, is there any last word you have for us?
1: Well, Trent, I just want to say thank you guys for being such faithful listeners to the Enduring Churches podcast. We value you. We hope our new audio format is working out better for you. We're enjoying recording um, in this format. We may even start putting some video back out on our YouTube channel. So uh, look forward to that. But Trent, so grateful for our listeners, and we love doing this. We want to see you and your church endure, and we hope to catch you on our next episode.